Now that the Minnesota Wild season is over, as we navigate the offseason, draft coverage is back in full force. We take a look at some of the names at the top of the leaderboard and what's changed since the last time we talked about the draft, plus some gems for later. All today on Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. And just as a reminder, Lockdown Wild is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, Gabe Foley of Recruit Scouting returns as we start to take a deeper look at the NHL draft. We talk about some of the news surrounding some of the top picks in round one, plus a few more names that could be gems for later. My name is Seth Topol, host of Lockdown Wild, your veteran captain of the show, veteran Minnesota sports content producer, well over a decade's worth of experience covering your favorite Minnesota sports teams through their ups and their downs and the playoffs, and happy to have you along for a Tuesday edition of the show, double Tuesday episode day, as we have uh, this episode, and we'll also take a deep dive into the Minnesota Wild's defense, so make sure to check out that later here today. But a good friend of the show, Gabe Foley, has returned. Off-season mode has clicked up to 11 this week. And Gabe, we're glad to have you back. Let's get a little caught up as to some of the things that have happened surrounding the uh, top picks. Of course, Shane Wright expected to be near the top of the list. And so uh, what have been some of the recent news and notes surrounding not only him, but some other names that may find their way into round one. Well, yeah, there's been a lot of change since last time we talked. Of course, last time I came on was before the U18 World Championship, um, which is usually the most influential uh, tournament in deciding the draft order. Um, this year, it unfortunately took place during uh, some CHL League's playoffs. So players like Shane Wright, Connor Geeky, and Matthew Savoie we're not able to attend, but we still got a lot of great looks at uh, a few European players um, that very quickly climbed the rankings, leaderboards. Um, that includes the Swedish trio of Noah Oslin, uh, Liam Ogren, and Jonathan Lakarimaki. The three players have played on a line together all season long, both internationally and in club play, and are all looking like first-round talents. The most impressive of the three, and the one that I have ranked the highest at seven overall right now, is Noah Osland. And it sounds like he's going to go uh, the bottom of the three of them. Uh, there's real concern that Osland slipped into the second round because while he's you know a talented play driver, knows how to create plays and can play a solid defensive game, he's not flashy. He doesn't have the rifle of a shot like Liam Ogren or the fancy moves and physical play of J Jonathan Lakaramaki. Um, and if you lack that flash on an international stage, NHL teams are going to fall on you. Uh, it's just kind of a force of habit it just kind of happens. So 
Osland, a potential name to look for uh, when the Wild are picking. He is a center, and of course the Wild kind of need center depth, kind of don't. I don't know. See, I don't know if I buy into, into the hype, but I am also the biggest Marco Rossi fan in the world. So I feel like that clouds my judgment just a little bit. But either way, uh, a solid two-way guy who uh, created plays like no other at U18s, knew how to set up his teammates, and um, was just a huge factor in Sweden's eventual gold medal win. So Noah Oslin, a name to jot down. Um, Looking away from U18s, another name that has absolutely blown up and skyrocketed is Yurai Slavkovsky. Um, Slavkovsky, Slavkovsky, however you say it, is, I believe, and let me make sure I have my notes updated here, um, but I believe he is 6'5", 6'4", and 220, 230 pounds. Um, so that's a big boy for an 18-year-old. as a big man. And Unlike many other big men, uh, he can actually use that size. He plays a solid physical game, isn't scared to go into the corners because, you know, why would he be at that size at 18 years old? And he's played mostly all season uh, in a men's league, professional league, including internationally where he's played for uh, Slovakia's men's team and um, is, I believe, actively playing for Slovakia in the world championship. Um, So like I said... Slavkovsky is 6'4", 220 pounds, 220, 230, depending who you ask. And uh, NHL teams like that a lot. A lot, a lot. <laughs> Having that kind of size with a player that can move around the ice fairly well and handle the puck and you know doesn't look like a, a stranded giraffe out there. Uh, it's really impressive, and NHL teams are certainly reflecting that uh, to the point that it sounds like he might go number two he has never been mentioned in that conversation up until this point. Uh, a lot of players have been mentioned in that top three. Sofkovsky was never one of them. Now he's firmly one of them with some rumors that I'll admit don't have much of a backing at all, but some rumors are claiming that the Montreal Canadiens are actually looking at Slavkovsky at number one, potentially because they need a big winger. And uh, you know, it's, picking position over best player available kind of thing. Of course, that's not to say that Shane Wright has played poorly to end the season or anything. In fact, he has played his best hockey of the year to close things out um, and has, you know, firmly earned his spot at number one on my board. Um, We, of course, had discussed the skepticism around whether he was worth number one or not all year. Um, I think he's there now. But I'll say it like this. It's a confusing, twisting path with Shane Wright. He's not going to be the best player from this draft class. Um, If you said, Gabe, who's the Hall of Famer from this class? I don't know who I'm picking, but it's not going to be Shane Wright. Um, But he's going to be the most important player to his team. Wright plays a reliable two-way game that is in some way, shape, or form going to become the backbone or a part of the backbone of a good team in the future. He's a guy you can rely on a guy like Ryan O'Reilly in St. Louis. And now I don't want to compare them stylistically. They're very different players in that regard. But um, in terms of the role that they play on the team that they're on, O'Reilly's not the number one center in St. Louis. Um, And 
watching this series against the Wild, he was kind of hot and cold. But every time O'Reilly was on the ice, his line mates did something. There's a clear impact that O'Reilly has. And obviously, we've seen that over the last few years. Shane Wright's going to have that same level of impact where he might not be the star, but he's going to be important. He's a guy that can wear a C one day. Um, I think that is the bulk of the movement. Another player to just quickly flag is Shimon Nemetz. Uh, Shimon Nemetz has been my number two all year long. I think he is easily the best defenseman in this class. Um, he looks NHL ready. He's a right defenseman, so unfortunately not a player that Wild fans can get too excited about, given the depth that you guys have there. But Nemetz played in the Tip Sport Extra Liga, the Slovakian Men's League uh, playoffs, while the U18 World Championships were occurring. U18s were in Czech Republic. Uh, Nemetz was playing playoff games in Slovakia. So I heard that a ton, a ton, I mean... 30, 40, 50 NHL scouts were regular, regularly making that drive um, from U18s to wherever Nemetz was playing. Again, eye on him. Previously, we had heard that the only team willing to take Nemetz in the top five was the Chicago Blackhawks, who were willing to spend a second-round pick on him. I heard that about December, January, and it sounded like everyone else had him in that 7 to 12 tier. Um, but that is changing dramatically now. He is firmly in kind of the four to eight tier in a big mix with a lot of other names. Sounds like the top 10 is going to big be a big um, pick what you need kind of situation. And I could see any of these players going anywhere really. But it's nice to see Nemetz get the hype that he deserves um, after a season of great play and zero attention on him. Finally, NHL teams are waking up. Other than that, the top 10 is uh, largely still the same. Logan Cooley's looking like a top five name. Matthew Savoie will fight for it. Daniela Yurov, who should be in the top 10, might fall out of it just because he's a Russian. And, of course, we all know the situation going on with Russia and the uh, uncertainty that might lead to with drafting players out of uh, the KHL and MHL. Um, Joaquin Kamel or Joaquin Kamel or however you say it, um, still a uh, top 10 name looking um, looking to be in the same tier as the Mets. And then David Yerichek, who I have at nine right now, is going to go top five come draft day. So a lot of things have stayed the same. A lot of things have changed. Um, but overall, it looks like we're finally getting a solid picture of what that top 10 will look like. And it's kind of messy. It'd be a messy draft day. It's that old saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same or whatever song lyric that is. Some phrase. I don't, I don't know. Um, the OHL, uh, it sounds like you've got, uh, some things that you would like to discuss about them. So we will uh, continue with that as we draft dive on today's episode of lockdown wild. We will continue that after this. Is today your birthday? No. What about tomorrow? The day after? Sometime next week? Regardless of when your birthday is, Built Bar has dropped a new variety of puff that can help you celebrate it every day of the week. Introducing the birthday cake puff from Built. I just received a full box of birthday cake puffs, and let me tell you, they are absolutely phenomenal. Delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% white chocolate with added sprinkles. 
Puffs won't hurt you with calories as well. They contain 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, and just 9 grams of sugar. This limited time flavor is an amazing option if you're looking for a healthy way to get flavor and variety in your day. If you want to start celebrating your birthday, now whether you put candles in yours is entirely up to you, but if you want to get birthday cake puffs now, head to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Continuing today's episode of Lockdown Wild, once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Once your first listen of the day is done, make sure to check out our bonus episode, Dissecting the Wild Defense, that will be dropping later today. And then go hit up the Locked on NHL podcast to get a full recap of everything that happened in round one of the playoffs and gear up for round two starting this week. Locked on NHL is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Seth Topol joined by Gabe Foley of Recruit Scouting. Gabe... The OHL, your thoughts? Yeah, so you gave Gabe Foley a platform to speak. Uh, you let me come on your podcast. <laughs> that means I have to yell about something. I am so sick and tired of the OHL in general. Just the entire league is awful and terrible. The hype that goes into this league is insurmountable. Um, there are OHL teams that get more attention than NHL teams. It is world soccer level of you know screaming and yelling and i'm tired of it and as a public sector scout the way that that hype manifests is through a ton of religious dedicated attention being poured pour- into poured 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 into i don't know why i put it <laughs> wait, wait a second gloss oh, right no. over it um being poured into um players that quite frankly do not deserve it earlier in the season as we've discussed shane wright got that treatment quite extensively now the conversation in the public world is that shane wright might not be deserving of number one because of course when you reach a high you have to immediately go to a low uh no one can reach a happy middle and say like we just said you know maybe he deserves to go there but he won't be the star from the class Um, Everyone has to have an opinion about something, Um, but these staunch, aggressive opinions have also manifested in hype for players like Paul Ludwinski, Owen Beck, David Goyette, um, and who was the other one? Luca Del Belbeluz. And I just want to use my time, my space here today to say that I don't know if any of those guys are worth the top 64 attention that they are getting. I think the second best OHL forward from this class is uh, David Goyette. And I think that is solely because of how young he is. He's been able to produce and drive a line in the OHL despite being one of the youngest forwards in the league and one of the only rookies in the OHL uh, that's among this top end of the crop. Other than that, there are players like Owen Beck receiving first-round love from public sector scouts and the more i watch owen beck the more i can't help but just laugh at how absurd i feel like that is of course i am never one to bash someone else's opinions if you can defend a ranking for a player uh you are more than welcome to put them there and 
uh, more power to you. But Owen Beck might not break into my second round after ranking in my 50s last update. Um, the more I watch him, the more I see clear, immature errors in his play. The way he defends the slot is really sloppy and inattentive. The way he pressures opponents in the neutral zone when they're regrouping is... Um, confused and misguided in a way he's had a poor playoffs and i think that should be re reflected in his draft stock um so like i said i'm on a soapbox because it's so tough to hype these players up um when it's as misguided as this it's unfair to the players it's unfair to their families it's unfair to the fans who consume our content and i think that the Massive amount of hype that Shane Wright got earlier in the season, transcending into now a bunch of hate at the end of the season is a good example of how those opinions can really um, skew what is supposed to be, um, you know, proper, healthy analysis. So as all me saying, one, I hate the OHL. I'm an American boy, true and true. So this is pure Canadian hatred. <laughs> I'm nothing if not a patriot. Uh, but two, don't let the conversations around Shane Wright, Owen Beck, David Goyette, Paul Ludwinski, Matthew Poitras, Hunter Haight, or any of these other OHL guys cloud what you're seeing when you watch. Um, ultimately, there's such rich conversation to be had around all these players. There's definitely a conversation to be had around if Wright is worth first overall, even though we you know, just vindicated that he was. Um, and let's encourage that conversation instead of criticizing people who maybe don't agree with uh, where these OHL players should rank. I want to single out the OHL specifically because, again, you know, America, but also this is the only league I really see um, that level of inconsistently inconsistency uh, bleeding through. So, you know, it's good to have a conversation about it. Good to let fans know that, hey, you know, we're not always right. Let's have a conversation and uh, don't don't take anything you see uh, in the hockey journalism analysis world blindly. Um, we are all just fans of the game at the end of the day, and some of us have the opportunity to write about it. So, you know, that's about it. I think I'm off my soapbox, but <laughs> I am sweating now, which is not great. <laughs> when in doubt, follow your scout. That's uh, that's what I'll add into. Uh to finish that off, but yeah, just, just get your, just get your scouting news from uh, as many different sources as you can, because uh, sometimes one may say one thing and another may say another thing entirely. And sometimes you have one that finds absolute diamonds in the rough later in the draft. And so to finish today's episode of lockdown wild, we will check out some Foley's finds as we uh, continue to dive further and further into the NHL draft, more to come after this. Our partners at betonline.net continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, the Stanley Cup playoffs, plus fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. You can find all of that and so much more at Bet Online, where 
the game starts. Final segment of today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Seth Topol joined by Gabe Foley of Recruit Scouting and deep dives, digging into the uh, later rounds of the NHL draft. As we have done, Gabe, anytime you've been on the show, we try to find some guys who maybe aren't going to be first rounders, might not be second rounders. They could go all the way down into whatever round you please. And so we present another edition of Foley's Finds. Yeah, so we are starting off today's edition of Fully Finds with a name that's going to sound really familiar to people who have tracked 2022 draft prospects past this season, and that's Julian Lutz. Um, now, like I said, it's going to be a familiar name to those of you who've watched this class for longer than this year, and you might be wondering, you know, is he really a Fully Finds? Is he really a diamond in the rough, a sleeper? Yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm surprised, but it really sounds like Julian Lutz does not have the conversation around him that he deserves. Um, for those of you who are not aware, Julian Lutz is undoubtedly the top German player in this class. He played the in the DEL, uh, German Germany's top league, um, for most of last season and then all of his playing time this year. But his season was cut short uh, due to um, a menagerie of injuries. In fact, it sounds like there might have been three or four that sprinkled in throughout the year and really limited his playing time. Um, I don't have the official numbers up, but Lutz played um, less than 20 games in the DEL and only a handful of international games, including at the U18s this season, which of course is not great. A similar player... Uh, that had that experience in their draft years, Clem Costin. And of course, it has noticeably stunted uh, Clem Costin's development as a prospect. But I will say, watching Julian Lutz at the U18s, I was completely inspired by what I saw. Um, sure, he looked a little raw, a little rough around the edges. He looked like a guy who hadn't played in a, a few months, to say the least. But he was still an incredibly fundamental player. Um, I've been telling... Uh, younger players that I speak with to watch Julian Lutz play, to learn how to get on your edges, uh, why ankle flexibility is important, and how getting appropriate bends can really change your stride. Um, I've been telling them to watch how he plays in the regroup and on the breakout and how he finds lanes uh, to get these stretch passes and make things happen. All this is to say, at the beginning of the season, I ranked Julian Lutz 22nd overall. That was in October. He went down soon after because of injury, and he's finally back. And he's climbed my rankings and now sits at 17. But NHL teams aren't talking about him. Public sector scouts aren't talking about him. And that's led to a lot of conversations of him as a second, third, or fourth round player. Let me reemphasize that this is a guy I have 17th overall, and I tell other players to watch so they can learn from his game and how he plays. Um, I think the value that Lutz brings to the table is astronomical. And I think he's going to really develop uh, nicely over the next couple of years and turn into a really reliable middle six center that can carry a line, play special teams, and really you know, be a nice, reliable player to lean back on when your stars aren't on the ice. 
A similar player, a uh, player in a similar situation is Nicholas Moldenhauer. Um, Nick had a leg injury um, early in the season and was out for a couple of months. And then on his first shift in his first game back, took a skate to the face and cut up his face very badly and missed a lot of time with that injury as well. So like Lutz, he missed most of the season with injury. But when Moldenhauer's played, he's looked good. Now I'll say this much. He looks like a U17 player because he hasn't had the time to develop into a U18 player this season. So he looks a little underdeveloped, a little raw. This is a guy that NHL scouts, CHL scouts, and USHL scouts won't stop talking about. No one in the public sector scouting world is talking about him at all. In fact, seeing him ranked anywhere, whether that be the second, the fifth, or the seventh, is a rare sighting. This is a guy that the NHL is really high on. So much so that I was talking to a scout recently who said, I think this kid's the next Brandon Saad. And I said, elaborate on that. And they said, well, he doesn't have the size, the muscle, the you know physical prowess that Saad has. But of course, that can come. Stylistically, they play the exact same. They attack the slot out of the corner the same. They move wide in transition the same. And they aren't afraid to go into the dirty areas of the ice and use their skill to get out of them rather than trying to bully their way through. Um, Moldenhauer is an interesting case. Very interesting. He can play center or right wing, um, but he's missed a lot of his development this season. Um, I don't know where he's going to go. I've heard some scouts are looking at him in the second round. I've heard some are looking at him in the fifth. Um, but Nicholas Moldenhauer is a name to have down. Because if he develops right, he's turning into a speedy, really talented, really cognizant and aware top six forward that can play center or wing. And again, just provide that reliable skill uh, that you want on the ice when your stars are on. Lutz gives you a solid two-way backing, a nice little bone to uh, rely on. Whereas Moldenhauer gives you the skill, the finesse, and the flashiness uh, to lean back on when... um, when your stars aren't on the ice, when Kaprizov is on the ice, doing it all himself, something like that. So another name to note down, Nicholas Moldenhauer. I have no clue where he goes. I know a lot of scouts love him. I know a lot of scouts hate him. But, man, I think this kid's going to be legit. And a lot of people on the private side agree, even though the people on the public side aren't talking about it. Um, real quick, before we close off this edition of Foley's Finds, I'll just quickly touch on a few high school kids. And that includes Zam Plant, who um, just had his high school wing winger, his high school line mate, drafted by the Chicago Steel, which means that they will play together all of next season. And it sounds like they will play on the same line because, of course, that line was a godsend for Hermantown. Absolutely incredible and turned that high school into the hockey dynasty that it has been these last two years. That should only continue next season in Chicago with the steel. Um, so look for Zam Plant to rise up some boards a little bit. Look for him to be mentioned as a third round, fourth round name, um, because I think a lot of people are going to be optimistic about, um, about his potential now that he has a little bit of chemistry head into Chicago with him. Of course, earlier in the season, he looked uncomfortable. Uh, now he look, it's looking like he'll, he'll fit right in. Um, with some familiar 
faces. Other names to discuss are all fallers, and that includes Alex Bump, who I have not gotten a confirmed reason why, but looks like he will slide into the later rounds. Of course, Alex Bump uh, was a high school hero um, in Minnesota in the playoffs this season. Um, a very talented player who performed well in his USHL games, but for one reason or another, um, it sounds like he's going to slide in the draft. So uh, get ready to scream at your TVs for Minnesota to pick him in the fourth, the fifth round. Um, because I think that's where he's going to end up going. And of course he's a talented enough player that that pick could very well end up a steal. Uh, looking outside of Minnesota, we have Brennan Ali who has really surprisingly fell. Uh, Brennan Ali is a player that can do a bit of everything. He can be a playmaker. He can be a grinder. But the heart of his game lies in his shot. I believe at one point in the season, he was averaging like 9, 10, 11 shots a game. Average. Uh, playing in um, New England high school prep hockey. And that has translated to his juniors play uh, really well. He is not converting on those chances like you might want. But... Um, of course, that, that'll come. He's getting the shots off. He's making it happen. So the finishing should come. Another player to talk about real quick is Joey Muldowney, who was an absolute legend, scoring 97 points in 56 games this season uh, in New England Prep League High School. That included 57 goals in 56 <laughs> games. The kid was a menace to society all season long. He's 5'11", 154 too, so he has the size to maybe potentially keep it up at a junior's level. And in the short bit that we saw of him at the end of the season with the Des Moines Buccaneers, he did it. He scored two points in three games, and he looked like he could match the pace and keep up with, uh, with the talent in the USHL. And so, of course, we look at players like Kyle Kukkonen and Brody Lamb that were drafted last year and then blew up in juniors this year. Uh, it looks like Muldowney can do the same, get drafted out of high school and then blow up in the USHL in his DY plus one. I'd expect Muldowney to be available in the sixth and seventh round. So keeping with our trend of really hyping up Americans, although Moldenhauer's Canadian and Lutz is German, so maybe that's not the trend, but... I'd like it to be, um, but keeping with that trend, watch for Muldowney to be available in the sixth and seventh round and 1000% expect him to follow the highly touted, really great development path that Brody Lamb and Kyle Kukkonen are blazing in the USHL right now. Um, those are the finds today. Julian Lutz, look for him the second, third. Molden Howard, the second to the fourth. Um, and then Plant, third to the fifth. And Ali uh, and Muldowney in those later rounds. All players that could really develop into a solid top six, top six guys one day, um, and all players that I've been high on for a very long time. All right, there you have it. Yet another A-plus segment from Gabe Foley of Recruit Scouting, and that will wrap up today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Make sure you follow Gabe at NHL Foley and at Recruit Scouting as well. Yeah, don't worry. I've been doing this a lot, so I get used to that reverse uh, reverse point. But um, make sure you follow Gabe for all sorts of draft coverage. We'll, of course, have him on plenty between now and the draft. And so uh, Locked on Wild becomes your off-season content and NHL draft leader 
here uh, in the Locked On Podcast Network. So make sure to follow along by following wherever you listen to your podcasts and on social media as well so that you can stay up to date on all things Minnesota Wild, all things offseason, and all things NHL Draft. We have you covered with new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.